For whitetail hunters like us, the mid to late season, or the rut, can be miserable if you don't have the right clothing. You're sitting out there all day long, cold, you're not moving a whole lot. But new in 2019, First Light Solitude System is the perfect insulated soft shell clothing system for tree stand and tree saddle hunters. Whether worn on its own or combined with some other pieces from First Light, this kit offers versatility for the whitetail hunter. One of the things we like best about this system is the kit link pass-through pocket. Basically, you put the jacket on, you can zip these pockets down, and you can actually reach into the bibs fleece line chest muff pocket to warm your hands up and access all the items you've got stored in there. To learn more about First Light's new solitude system, head over to their website, firstlight.com. So we've been partnering with Steerka Optics for a while now. We can't say enough good things. The glass is awesome. The warranty is the best in the industry. Check these guys out, steerkastrong.com. Justin King, thanks for uh, joining us today on this podcast we're really excited to talk to you we've been kind of connected with you for a while and hoping to get you on for a long time and so it's good to finally have you on board nice glad to be here i appreciate you guys reaching out it's it's always kind of fun to chat about this kind of stuff so i'm on board absolutely Thanks, guys and you're from basically what i like to think of the is the alaska of the northeast right mm. you are you're from maine yeah essentially <laughs> i am from maine um we're not up in the north north woods by any stretch but yeah i mean there you go the alaska of the northeast as it were we are in maine there's about four inches of snow on the ground here right now and the smaller lakes are freezing over so yep there we are we're with you we got about four inches right now it's about 18 degrees nice. outside and yeah we're at 16 16 at the moment sheesh well that's i guess november for you i don't know i don't know really what else to say about that yeah that's november for you hmm. in so, the northern latitudes justin are you getting through this cold snap with the little chaga that you've forged yourself actually i just refilled my chaga tincture bottle this evening uh so yeah sure most deaf chaga now for the people who are listening who have no idea what you're talking about although if they have listened in the past i think we've talked about we've it talked about chaga before. yeah uh, you, you want to exp- talk about chaga you want to explain what chaga is and why it's so amazingly great so chaga is it's not quite a mushroom but i guess the easiest way to put it is it's a mushroom it is essentially a parasitic mushroom of birch trees so white birch and silver birch and a little bit of yellow birch as well uh it grows northern latitudes this is kind of about as far south as it gets it has a lot of adaptogenic properties to it anti-carcinogenic properties to it immunity boosting properties to it so yeah it's super good for this time of year when it's starting to get cold everybody's starting to get sick all the time also for me I really like the medicinal properties of it, mm-hmm, but for sure. me, it's like an ex- yeah, it's like an excuse to be in the woods in January when there's four feet of snow on the ground, poking around, and it's yeah, and it's ten degrees outside, and there's no hunting seasons open. It's just kind of like a good thing to be looking for in the woods in January. So that's like what it is to me. That's a great way to put it, because Jared and I use that as an excuse to go poke around up in the the North Woods mm-hmm. in Michigan. Yeah, hey man, want to go exactly. like, hunt some chaga? Mm-hmm. And, and then you go out there and you'll find this one that's like the size of your torso, like that one. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Cow, exactly. Yeah, best. you just like look up and you're like, there's no way that's actually a chaga, and you roll up there and it actually is a chaga. The trophy yeah. chaga. That <laughs> wall. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah, I was gonna say ends up on the mantle. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I actually just found yeah. back on our Wisconsin trip this past week. I found one that was just shy of the size of a football. Yeah, there so you go. I'm, I was yeah, pretty, I, I, was I put that on my wall. Find. Yeah. Yeah, I throw that on my wall. We have, my wife and I just bought 
uh, a home, a little bit of a homestead here in the lakes and mountains region. So essentially in the foothills of the White Mountains. Okay. This past summer, and we've been walking around, there's a 3,000 acre woods behind our house. Mm. And I found seven chaga mushrooms back there that are bigger than a football. So I'm pretty oh, stoked on that. Like literally, like, right, there's a, our driveway turns into a trail that goes down into this patch of woods and yeah it's just like right off this trail so it's pretty awesome pretty awesome stuff so, so you're excited about that it rather than like like a tea i do both okay. i do like the the tea and a tincture with it yeah now there's by doing the water boil method brings out some of the the properties while doing yep. a, a tincture tinc- tinc- tincture 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 that brings out a, a different set of yeah, properties. Yeah, exactly. Correct? So there's there's alcohol-soluble chemicals within that mushroom, and then there's water-soluble. So in order to get the double effect of that, to get both chemicals out, you need to do a tincture, which I guess is actually, in this case, it's technically a double decoction if you mm-hmm. want to get super specific because you're doing the double. So we'll do, and uh, forgive me, I do not remember the ratio off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. We do it once a year. but. Right. We'll essentially do a percentage of it will be the alcohol tincture, which is, you know, we soak ground chaga in as high a proof organic vodka as we can find for six weeks. And then we'll mix it with chaga that I put in a crock pot for like three days and just simmer for three days straight. So, yeah, we'll mix that those two together. That way we get both the water soluble and the alcohol soluble chemicals out of the mushroom and then. Yep, tinctured away. Yep. Do you typically grind it up, or will you leave it in chunks? We have all. I yeah, I grind it up to put it in the alcohol, and then I will leave it in little like one inch kind of cubes That's for the water decoction. Yeah, mm-hmm. I've got Same one thing with, like, rag tea. that I use that I wrap. Yeah, that when gets I first did, fully I, like, stained and red. Yeah, exactly. Like well, I would wrap it around it and like use a hatchet to chop it up in a small piece. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, like bang, yeah, idea. exactly. Go outside with a hatchet or like a hammer and just bang the crap out of yeah. it. Yep. Yeah. That's that's what I do, and then I put it into. So I'll do that, and then I'll take like yeah, the portion of that that I need. And I'll put it into like a little spice grinder. Oh yeah, and nice. Just beat the crap out of the spice grinder until it's a powder, and that's what I'll do the alcohol decoction with. Like but a yeah, mortar just, and pestle yeah. type of deal. Yeah, yeah. I'll use the mortar and pestle first, and then I'll put it into like a Cuisinart, like legit. Oh yeah, electric sure, sure. grinder. So Justin, maybe before we go any further, you want to introduce who you are and like what you do, what your thing is, and, and kind of maybe why why we brought you on, or at least why you think maybe we brought you on. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say let's go with the why you why I think. Yeah, so I'm Justin King. Uh, like I said, I'm living in the lakes and mountains region of Maine. I'm right off the side of a lake called Long Lake, in a town called Harrison. I'm about 40 miles from portland maine i am a butcher by trade so that's what i do for my profession is i cut stuff up nice and i also do that for fun i've cut a bunch of people's deer up this year just because i've you know like doing it then i am a forager and a hunter here in the state as well as a fisherman you know i'm really into wild foods of all varieties uh wild medicines as well and my wife and i have a little homestead here in the state so we're getting into cultivating things as well as gathering and hunting things so you've become a hunter gatherer and soon to be a farmer as well yeah basically yeah exactly like i'm kind of i don't know you know you can't sustain yourself unfortunately in kind of modern times fully on what's growing in the woods right so we're just kind of having you know we're doing the best of both worlds my wife's kind of been into organic farming as a trade for a while too so we're trying to combine 
all the things we do into general malarkey up here. Basically, I don't know. A lot, having a lot of fun up there, and, and you, so you, and you like yeah. butchering so much. You're just like, hey, buddies, bring your deer over. I'll basically, right? Yeah. Even yeah, the other day, my friend, coworker, where I work now, he got a 210 pound seven point buck. Not bad. Which is kind of unheard of for yeah. Maine. You guys, I mean, you guys are far enough north. You know the big deer get, mm-hmm. they're kind of sparse up here. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, this thing was, it looked like a little baby moose. It was pretty impressive. And I drove an hour and 10 minutes to his house the other day to cut oh, it up. Because wow. I, yeah, I, like, I just like doing it so much. You know, we skinned it out and, you know, got it quartered out for him and got it in the cooler so he could age it for a little while. But yeah, I basically just do it because I, I do enjoy butchery enough to like do it for free. When do you say skin and when do you say scun? I think scun is a word you can uh, use. I really like the word scun, but I don't know why. I think it just sounds kind of corky and maney. I don't really yeah. know. I, I started <laughs> using it. Basically, this when I when I got my moose, I start, we used the word scun when we were talking about it a lot, and it's kind of just stuck also. <laughs> yeah, I like that. I don't really know. Skinned is probably appropriate, but scun is just a fun word. Yeah, yeah. you know, you, know. you bring up a uh, yeah, great segue into one of the reasons I wanted to uh, chat a little bit is you were one of the fortunate few to to draw a moose a main moose yes, tag indeed. which is rare yeah it's less than two thousand a year i believe right now i mean it's kind of ironic because me and my wife moved to maine we've only been in this state for two years okay from where so i've only this was uh, we moved in 2017 the end of 2017 okay we came from maryland okay okay yep up north so i know a lot of guys that have been applying for moose tags in this state for 30 plus years who have never gotten one and i got one on my second year so wow does that mean we should yeah. be applying jared we probably should be yeah, i want to shoot a yeah. moose so bad would you take yeah, me if uh, i got drawn yeah i yeah no i got a lockdown on uh, how to do that this year it's yeah no for sure how'd yeah, it go apply, for you seriously How'd it go? Describe the hunt. How'd you, was it bow, gun? You know, where, where'd you go? How did, how'd you? I went gun because I basically didn't, I don't, I didn't know how to hunt a moose. Obviously it's such a rare opportunity right. down here. You know what I mean? Like if you're not in Alaska, it's just kind of like, you're basically lucky if you get to hunt a moose. So I right. just, I went with a rifle. You can hunt them. It's legal in the state to hunt with a bow. I just went with the kind of better bet scenario i really obviously i'm about the meat you know i'm about the food aspect of it Uh, i love bow hunting i enjoy bow hunting deer but it was just kind of like uh eh, you know i want 500 pounds of meat in my freezer Mm -hmm. so we want a rifle the hunt itself was a it was kind of what i expected but then again it was a bit different i killed the moose in a clear cut okay which is just when you picture like you 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 picture yeah, you picture like moose and they like wading through the swamps and like swimming across lakes and whatnot. Some and kind of river kind and of... canoes involved. Yeah, ca- yeah, right, exactly. Like canoes and rivers, and they were like mushroom cranberries or something as they float through. And we ended up setting up on a it was probably twenty acre straight up like f- clear cut. I think it was probably last year that was just covered in moose sign. I mean, pretty recent trails. Man. Yeah, super, super recent. So what happens is up here in particular, the first thing that comes out to this, like essentially they'll clear cut it in the like the summer prior. So this was clear cut probably in 18. Sure. And what happens is the first thing that comes out is raspberries. Okay. And the moose just love the raspberries. So they're eating the raspberries as they're fruiting all summer long. And then into the fall after the fruit's gone, they'll even eat the leaves. So this guy was... 
just walking through this clear cut eating the leaves off raspberries so it's just a good like food source for them especially up north like in northern maine where it's kind of boreal forest so there's really not that much up there for them to eat so yeah it was it was a little bit different than i anticipated but pretty magical but before we move on i wanted to take a minute to thank one of our show sponsors pelican coolers these coolers are extremely tough and backed by a lifetime warranty But what I like most about our coolers is that as tough as they are, they can be opened with the push of a button. So it'll keep the bears out, but you won't have any trouble getting in. And it gets even better. Right now, if you type in pelicancoolers.com slash hotboga, you'll get a free tumbler with the purchase of any cooler. And we all use the uh, 32-ounce tumbler, and it does an amazing job at keeping hot drinks hot for a very long time and cold drinks cold for a very long time. I'm going to do something maybe a bit unusual or something that I haven't done yet but I'm going to throw out a James D. Guarantee, which is something I don't just toss around willy-nilly. I'm going to James D. Guarantee that if you buy one of these coolers, you'll have the best cooler experience you've ever had, and you'll be changed as a person for the better. Your life will be totally different from here on out. So don't take my word for it. Go check them out for yourself, pelicancoolers.com slash hotboga. And now, back to our show. It's it's just gotta you know I've I've done some hunting out west and had some pretty good encounters with moose but like the we- thing that struck me was just the the size of them walking through the woods when you're oh, used to yeah. like a deer it's just like it's just bizarre to see this giant it's animal soup yeah and it it's very it's even more odd when it's in the middle of this open essentially an open <laughs> field yeah and it is the focal point in that field you just look out and you're just like it's the only thing that's in this flat area is just this massive like seven foot eight foot tall (laughs) thing just standing there which is funny because that's like that the hunt when i got the shot i and it's this is you know completely ridiculous but i like had we had set up on this little clear cut me and my sub permittee and we had a uh we had a guide you know he took us to this area and i'm like me and my sub permittee are set up i have a it's a remington model 7 and 308 yep Yep. And we put it on this little tripod that my sub permit had bought. You know, we're just like kind of shooting from the hip. There's a lot of sign in this clear cut. And we're just kind of like, well, we'll see what happens. There's a lot of pressure up here. We kind of got kicked out of, for all intents and purposes, the other areas we were planning on hunting this evening oh, okay. because yep. there were other hunters in there. It's like 130 people have a permit for this 100 square mile area, essentially. Yeah, so, you're, you're so in there. there's people everywhere. Yeah. So we kind of got kicked out of where we wanted to go. So we go up to this other like clear cut. We set up on this ridge line on the top of the clear cut. And I'm literally, it's 4.30. It's nowhere near dark yet. I literally turn around and take a pee. I finish <laughs> peeing and I turn back around. And the guys like my sub or my, uh, I guess it was actually my the guide, was looking at me and he had moose antlers on his head. And I was like, what the hell are you doing? And he's like, and I turn around and there's in the middle of this clear cut out of absolutely nowhere there's a bull at 80 yards just standing there so cool in this 15 second break that I had from watching this he just kind of comes out of absolutely nowhere and he's just standing in the middle of the field it was pretty intense and I mean you know it's funny how well they move pretty well through yeah uh, for being huge yeah yeah, they're really quiet. You know, it's it's not windy. We should have been able to hear this guy crushing on the uh, like the branches and the the deadfall around yep. him. He's just all of a sudden he's just there. It was pretty intense. Yeah, and it builds into the fact that they're 
so massive and so kind of because you don't see you know very few people it's like a regular occurrence for them right. it's just really weird looking yeah it is big gangly long creature just sort of standing there so yeah and that was it i mean i two shots hit his lungs and clipped his heart on the first one put a second one in just because yeah because that's just a good thing to do it's a big animal yeah exactly and you're just kind of like well you know got to make sure and he ran about 15 yards conveniently he ran about 15 yards towards the road nice yeah and that was it and there he was on my first day as a you know moose hunter it was pretty intense man, just getting crazy. it done that's a we call that pulling a jared just getting it done first day <laughs> first day maybe. just getting it done yeah exactly so when you're 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 a you know butcher you're, you've got you know more of a unique take on you know yeah. things you find what would you have yep. would you say that you prepared or maybe butchered this moose in a way or ate parts of him that is unique to what maybe a normal hunter would like you know? i yeah i definitely think i approach like his breakdown a little bit differently than yeah. your average hunter or like a guy who takes it to like the game processor right right you know i was obviously super adamant we did everything we gutted it in the field drug it out hung it and then skinned it quartered it out put it in a bunch like a we he got into 500 or 100 what are they 100 liter or whatever yeti coolers wow yeah five? it was five yeah it took took five coolers <laughs> jared and then i still i still had his head riding in my front seat on the way home Good grief. feeling like an awesome man with just your big moose head <laughs> yeah was, yeah exactly I, I tried to take like funny uh instagram pictures of it but it was just like i couldn't quite get the aspect that i was looking for but yeah like the moose head <laughs> in my front seat totally going for that instagram fame on yeah, that one of course for the grand but yeah so i wanted yeah exactly i wanted to do all that and i did because I wanted to be able to kind of approach the way that I broke him down a little right. bit differently, the way that I quartered it, the way that I broke the muscle groups down yep. was a little bit more particular for the style that I do. Then you're definitely going to get into game butcher, you know, How I was, so? what was it? Um, like even just like last night, my wife and I had what's called the Merlot steak or what would be called the Merlot steak off of beef. I saw you posted about that. What's, what's yeah. a Merlot steak? It is essentially, so when you know, when you break, um, on the, like the ham on the hind leg, the round, mm-hmm. yep. yeah. when you take like just above, when you break off that like lower part of that, the, like the hawk part of it, yep. when you cut that off. There's the what everybody kind of refers to as like the heel muscle group that runs from that juncture up into what would be like the bottom round and top round. There's like yes. a little muscle like group that hangs there. One of the things you can pull off of that is referred to as the Merlot steak or the heel steak. Okay. Velvet steak would be another name for it. Stuff like that. So you peel that off of the essentially it attaches to the bottom round. And then that muscle joint, you peel that whole pod of group, uh, muscles off. It's three of them in there. Mm-hmm. And there's one particular one that's kind of impossible to explain exactly where it sits without showing somebody. Right. But you seen that off, and then you get all the silver skin off of it, and that becomes the Merlot steak. It's this super dark red, hence the name. Merlot. Yeah, I gotcha. Yeah, 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 like a wine. It's a super dark red piece of meat that comes off of there. Fit on like a white tail or something would be kind of worthless. It would be pretty tiny yeah you know yeah it would be super tiny it would be like the width of like three fingers essentially it'd be kind of like what's the point i'm just gonna grind that right but on something like a moose it's there but i you know you seam it out get all the silver skin off of it it's super tender but it kind of combines like that tenderness of like a tenderloin steak with like the flavor of shoulder kind of piece it's because it does a bunch of work because obviously on like a 
an animal the size of a moose. It's doing a lot of work to move that leg up and down. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, like stuff like that, like getting that off of there. We ate that last night. I got another one in the freezer, and it was, like, super good. You right, know, and you'll awesome. never get that at a game butcher. And any of, like, the guides that you get for even beef butchery, you kind of have to, like, be a special breed to like pull that off of an animal so stuff like that i got that the oyster steaks which are actually in like the hip ball joint so when you break off that leg portion Mm -hmm. inside the uh pelvis inside the h-bone there there's when you pull that ball joint out there's actually a piece of meat in there that if you carve out of that h-bone is super good so i got those i pulled the cheeks off of the face oh how'd you cook those cheeks because i love a good i haven't done it yet you braise them dude Cheek ragu is oh. friggin' amazing. Oh. Yeah. So they're gonna be they're gonna be moose cheek ragu. But yeah, like I got those off. I actually have right now, and this is the weirdest cut or the weirdest thing that I pulled off of this guy that you're definitely not gonna get. We pulled all of the like the cartilage, the nose, and the lips off cartilage? of his face. Yeah. yeah okay. So you know, you know, like a white tail, you get that like the cartilage ridge that sits like where the nose was. Yeah, that's, that's a it, weird yeah. part to cut off. It always gives me the willies a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, so, yeah, <laughs> I cut it off, and then with the skin still on it and the hair, the nose still attached in the lips, and I'm going to throw that in the freezer. There is, a like, an indigenous meal, especially in, like, eastern, northeastern Canada. Okay. Where they used to use that. They used to, like, sear the hair off and then, like, braise the thing off into this, like, gelatinous stew. So I even have that in my freeze right now that at some point in, like, January when it's super cold, interesting. I'm going to end up cooking. So, yeah, you get a lot of interesting takes on stuff when you know it, like, know your way around an animal. Mm-hmm. So Now, I'm guessing yeah, you, did like the, uh, you did, like, a European mount? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. I'm standing in the room with him right now. He's uh, he's above our stove here in the living room. That's, that's awesome. awesome. Yeah, yep. that, that's amazing. Yeah. Now, do you uh, did you have – got to think of what you would call it, North – East Swamp Oysters? Would you, well, how would you describe it? Not Rocky Mountain Oysters. Uh, like, let's go. Yeah, you know, I'm going to go with Northeast Swamp Oysters. And, yeah, they're, they're, I have them. Yep. Did you, <laughs> I got you, both well, of those. How are you going to prepare those? Because I've made them before, and they, <sighs> I think I, I heated them too fast, and I had them first. Yeah. I have to imagine yeah. they're about the size of an iPhone, though. Yeah, right? That's a full, yeah, that's a full meal. Yeah, yeah, no, the the two of them combined will definitely – yeah, no, me and my wife will that, – that will be dinner. Yeah, I'm going to do kind of the standard method – I've I've only cooked the balls once, and yep. it was off of beef, um, and I did not have them explode. So I'm just gonna follow the same kind of general protocol. Go slow. I, think I went too of... fast. I heated. I thought yeah, I was supposed to go slow. real fast. That seems to be the debate no. It's anyway. super slow. You got it. Well, and you got to get the scrotum off too. I got I These these are in my freezer scrot. with the scrotum still on. Like yeah, I got to remember to take the scrot off. I've got a yeah, guy no, that go I know. Standard on that. He shot a bull elk, and he saved the scrot, and he made a bullet. Case. They make a little satchel. Yeah, and it's yeah. T- totally cool. Like, definitely not. If I ever huh. shoot an animal with a bit like big enough sack yeah, with a big or something giant like that, sack. then I'm uh I'm making. Yeah, I got a jug of wine bag. Of Game of Thrones. Yeah, I can appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. So you got yeah. the. You got I don't the know moose. if I'm gonna do that, but yeah, we got those. They're down there. Uh, what else? I fat. Do you get the fat behind the eyeballs? That- yeah, we ate that fresh and raw. Yeah. Yeah, we ate that. Yeah, the morning we were quartering them out, we ate that. Jared All never nice, eats it when I raw. try to eat it. He always gives me like the it's face, good. Like, it's like, crazy. No, it's like raw it's biscuit dough. dough or something. Yeah, it's like, yeah, it's like bread, literally. Yeah, it's like well, it's like a mix of like bread dough and mozzarella cheese. It's like salty too. Yeah, it's good, dude. Uh, yeah. Next time we should have tried it on your deer. 
I'm waiting for the CWD test. That's to a back. smart call. I feel like if there's CWD, <laughs> yeah, it's that's definitely probably in there. legit. Yeah, right behind the that's eye. probably <laughs> legit. Yeah, that's uh, that's awesome. Yeah, it, touch, it basically touches the brain. So yeah, there's mm-hmm. it's probably probably good to figure out yeah. first. That being said, is I I can't imagine that's any good after it freezes. But no, I think you eat that fresher. Yeah, yeah, we yeah next morning that thing wasn't dead twelve hours when we were eating his eye fat. So yeah, but yeah, that was actually really good. We ate a god, we ate so much of it raw while we were recording it. What else are you eating raw? Just anything that comes off. Yeah, well, we t- I took some I took some backstrap and ate that raw. Took a bunch of stuff off like the bottom round yep. portion. We were eating that raws. We were just like quartering them. I've out. been telling um, Jared about this because, dude, I've started to eat just uh, the other like maybe a couple years ago. I just started to see like because we get organic beef, and I'm like, yeah. how bad is it? Eat it raw. And, and you're like, you're making maybe burger or something like that. Looks kind of good to try. So I I regularly eat just chunks of yeah. raw burger. or I got a deer in there, and everybody looks at me like I'm totally gonna get sick. But you can't get sick. What gets you sick is human interaction, for the most part. Right. Mm. You know what I mean? It's not the the actual like the flesh of the animal, or like the beef cow or the deer or the moose or the elk or whatever it is. That's not tainted. I mean, outside of like CWD and deer, but even you know the science is kind of sort of out there. Right. But yeah, like with ungulates like the thing that taints the meat is human interaction whether that be at like the slaughterhouse or the right processing facility or whatever or just time hanging if it hangs for too long but yeah if you have like local well-raised like grass-fed beef or organic beef or whatever yeah right. dude eat that stuff raw it's it sitting in the grocery store that's going to make it tainted and it's going to make it like i wouldn't go to like you know, here in Maine, I wouldn't go to the Hannaford and buy a sirloin and then eat that raw. You yeah, know what I mean? But if I, yeah, exactly. You're going to have a real bad time. You're going to have a bad time. You're going to have a bad, yeah, time. Have a bad time. You're <laughs> going to have a bad time. You pizzaed when you should have French fried or whatever. But, <laughs> you, know the, you know the reference. I was, I'm, glad, I you, I'm glad you got the reference there. Yeah, I think it's actually you French fried when you should have pizza. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. You don't want to, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> The interaction with people and it being in the trade that I'm in, like butchering, slaughter work, all that, like I've, I've seen it all. Like it's the interaction with people that turns stuff south. So killing your own deer, elk, moose, whatever, except bear, don't do that. But yeah, uh, that'll, get, that'll get you sick. Yeah, that'll get you sick. But yeah, like that stuff. I, I ate a lot of that guy. Me and my sub permit, he ate a lot of that guy, just quartering him out. Like basically it was breakfast the next morning. We're just like yeah, cutting sweet. slabs off and being like, uh, even a few days later, because I, you know, we took him home. I was butchering him out in my kitchen here. You know, like I'm just like snacking on various pieces of trim, cutting off like <laughs> silver skin, just like straight eating it, like just chewing on that silver skin. Yeah, no big just deal. chewing. Straight yeah, basically, predator. it's like beef. It's like undried beef jerky. You know, it's the human interaction that's going to get you sick there. So yeah, eat a slab of your deer raw. It's good. Now, when you're butchering. What's the most common mistake you're seeing people like hunters make either when they're uh, cutting it up themselves or bringing yeah. it into you? Not so much. Like, I don't know. Most people seem to be pretty legit with field dressing. Obviously the common mistakes are there. You know, people split the gut or whatever. Yeah, every time Jared. Uh, Jared yeah. Not yeah. Every time. yeah uh, you spew all kinds of shit inside the gut cavity. I hate, blah, that. Blah, blah. I hate when that happens. No, the biggest thing, I'm, and this is going to sound kind of counterintuitive because a lot of guys are going to be like, what do you mean? Yeah. I think guys are, guys or people i shouldn't say that are trimming too much off of things i think people mm-hmm. are taking too much off of everything yeah you know what i mean like when you're trimming silver skin or whatever you're taking too much of it i think a lot of it is edible i think folks are losing meat especially like guys like doing burger or whatever with whatever 
and just taking so much of that stuff off. Like, I don't know. I think it's, it's kind of wasteful. Yeah. I think you're losing a lot of the experience. So I think it's just kind of like a meat waste kind of thing. That's like the biggest thing that I've experienced. Meat waste was actually Jared's name and nickname in high school. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just a big Old bag MW. of meat waste. Uh, Hyman smasher. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, but for real, like I, it, it seems at least in the circles that I float around in guys, they're like the gutting practices are really good. The cleaning practices, the skinning practices, the scunning practices as it were Scun, are yeah. good. I just feel like people are being a little bit too cautious with trim even with like white tail fat like i don't know i don't you're i don't mind white tail fat, fat guy? i don't know i am a big white tail fat guy i just think that people are like too afraid of it the tallow you're you know talking I mean? like the taste or you think yeah yeah, yeah, yeah yeah well everybody yeah everybody thinks it's going to give it like the gamey off flavor and you know some of it will some of it won't don't leave it all on there i don't know i think it's 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 a little overplayed i don't know if that's a mistake so much as just a cultural thing but you yeah know, no, it's funny food. like I, I feel like I have a couple of friends who are have like an aversion to the the taste of the fat where I, I it does not bother me that much. Like I yeah, don't exactly. trim out very much out of it. I just yeah. even silver streak skin doesn't really. That's just gonna that's gonna be more chewy for you. Yeah, that's, it's just more chewy. Yeah, chewy, yeah, yeah. it's texture. You know why? Well, you know I like to use my teeth. They're there for a reason, so I'm gonna use them. Like that, you know. Now. Yeah, I don't know. That's it for me. I mean, I had a couple of I we. A buddy of mine, well, actually, the guy who was my sub permanent on the moose hunt, he got a good sized, I think he was 250, 275 pound black bear up in the White Mountains this year. Okay. And I got a shoulder off of that. And I, I left some uh, actual like blood vessels and some veins in it yep. that I ended up getting in some burger later on that was a little bit unpleasant. But, you know, I've whatever. I've never had that. Like, no. No, like straight up. Yeah, like eating a cheeseburger and you pull this thing out of your mouth and it's actually like the tubular piece of a vessel oh, but you know, whatever. that's fine i just threw it in the trash it was no big deal you guys have a good bear hunting up there in maine oh extremely good yeah i want a bear oh hunt. my god it's so bad. yeah we have uh, there's so many bears in the state right now that the biologists are trying to figure out ways to recruit more bear hunters or find ways to ethically raise the limits like we have the bear hunting up here is incredibly good jared are you gonna if i get i've been looking i've started my active search for a bear tag and i know you're not entirely sure if that's mains over the counter mains over the counter dude. over the counter buddy you buy yeah no over the counter buy a license you get a bear tag yeah, because I got all we got all these yeah. points built up here that I'm like I don't know how I want to do that. And Maine's not. I was in Maine this this summer too for a while. It looks like sweet. It's like it looks a lot like Northern Michigan up there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that. yeah. The whole the whole damn state's like the UP and all that yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah. One, I know you Bird keep, forest and all that. I know James keeps trying to convince me to go bear hunting, and I and I want to go. He wants to go. It's just I don't. How know. do you guys want to do it? You want to do bait or uh, hounds? I don't know. I, I don't. I yeah. actually would probably prefer hounds, but uh, hounds is that's an adrenaline rush. That's uh, that's my bucket list for next year. Is it? Do hounds? Oh, I'm yeah. not done either, so I oh, can't man. say I'm picky. But yeah, yeah. What's your what's your apprehension with bear hunting? Yeah, Jerry. What's your what's your? So obviously I hunt for the meat. Yep. And I've just never had bear, so it's I'm so not good. I, I know I'm. I take your good. word for it. Yeah. I've just never had it, and if my palate doesn't like it, I don't want it two three hundred pounds doesn't... of bear meat. Yeah. I have, like I was saying, I have the shoulder off of that very old bear. Yeah. And it it's actually some of the mildest meat I've ever had. Okay. I, you, I, it's funny. My my dad came up in early October. Actually, I guess it was late October. It was right after my moose hunt. Yep. 
and he the day he came up he is living in atlanta he's not a hunter he's doesn't even like grass-fed beef like he's a grain fed grain finished processed meat guy the night he came up i fed him bear burgers he had no idea he was eating (laughs) he didn't even know he was eating the bear that's usually how it goes though if if, if people don't know what they're eating and they think it tastes exactly what they've been eating they're fine but as soon as you tell them what it is they get some psychological breakdown and and that's That's what i had i brought i had people over for the first bears game and i served bear to them and like after they take a few bites, I was like, "Oh yeah, that's some, those are some bear meatballs." And it was just like meatballs like you'd make, yeah, you yeah, know. Yeah. And they're Swedish like Holy meatballs cows. or whatever. I ate so much that night. I had the bear farts, which is a a unique that's a thing a unique form. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a that's a thing. No, bear is it's extremely good, and it's just obviously the trichinosis issue is there, so you have to make sure you're preparing it correctly. You can't do like everything off of the shoulder. I turned in. There's a couple of like stew meat pieces down there. But for the most part, it's ground. It's I have a pile of bear sausage that I did with you know like a fennel Ooh. sweet sausage kind of mix, yes. and a couple of stew like bone-in stew mixes and and some grind. But it's like remarkably mild. I'm really excited. I have not personally hunted bear, but it is absolutely going to happen next fall. I would have done it this year, but I was kind of prepping for the moose trip. A little busy with that moose. Yeah, a little busy with the moose thing. That obviously took priority. But yeah, no bear is. It's incredible. And up here, you know, it's just, you can get a bear every year. It's, it's kind of like a deer tag. In Maine, if you don't get a bonus deer permit, you get a bear tag and a deer tag with your hunting license. Like, that's what you get to get. I Jared, can't kill it, a bunch man. of deer. Yeah. Can, can, and can you get just, it. It's, can you commit right now, Jared? Uh, how long is the trip? Yeah, it's probably like a 13, 14-hour drive. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. Come up for, see, it's weird. So I can get you guys, honest to God, I can get you guys behind hounds or on bait next year. Like, if you guys want to do it. Oh, we could film it. My, the dude who was my sub permittee, he's a registered main guide up here. Like, I will get you on bear. He killed over 10 bear this year with over between himself bear, and his yeah. client. Sounds like a sure thing. Yeah. Sounds like was, a home yeah, run. That's yeah. a sure thing. They bring, he has a buddy who comes out with his hounds from Wisconsin. Okay. So, like, your neck of the woods. Yeah. We just he's got, back got from Wisconsin. a dog. And they get, it's like a daily occurrence. When they go out, they get bear. You know, it's just, there's so many bear up here. There's black bear everywhere. I've run into black bear squirrel hunting, like just walking down the trail and all of a sudden you're like, oh, cool. There's a massive black bear standing next to me. So yeah, they're everywhere up here. I'm intrigued. Yeah, let's, let's let's talk about it, Jared. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we got a lot of options. We're, now that we finished our kind of our, our bigger hunt for this year, we're, you know, you're just weighing your options. You go west. You, we have never thought about going east. We yeah, and it's the unthought of destination. But if you're going to do it, like Maine's the place to be. It's 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 close yeah. to like wilderness as you're going to get in the, the eastern seaboard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and all of these bears are killed like I God, maybe 60 miles from the ocean. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's it's pretty cool. cool. It's and the yeah, east coast gets cool lobsters. Some lobsters. Yeah, dude, you can come up here and get some wicked big fucking lobsters, bud. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> we you, actually, you know what I did out there? I was clam digging. You ever do any clam digging out there? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Clam digging is so fun. With it, clam and it's so cool. good. I feel like man. they're too fast for me. Yeah. <laughs> Last year when I went clam digging, like in the in the spring, like right after snow melt, mm-hmm. and uh, we got these. They're basically they call them like you know chowda clams up here. Chowda yeah. clams. Chowda. They're just massive, and I got them on. Put them my. Uh, took them home. It's like a two-hour drive to where I dug them. Got him home and just like shoved him in the refrigerator. Yeah. In the uh, yeah, I got home at like I don't know, it was like ten thirty at night. 
my wife got up to go to work the next morning and there's just like clams like trying to climb <laughs> yeah. out of the refrigerator with their big long like tongue their things foot hanging out yeah yeah, yeah, yeah they're yeah that's it their foot's like literally like trying to push the refrigerator door open you just gotta so give them good, a slap man. i had so i went for the first time this year brought them back to my campsite with my daughter and my wife and like i'm cooking them and as i'm i'm looking i was i was in nova scotia looking over the sun kind of going yeah, down behind oh yeah. me and the opposite side was a double rainbow over these cliffs going down to the ocean i feel like it was the most picturesque you know cooking site you're gonna have so when you're uh when, when you've got this this wild game meat uh, what's some of your favorite things that you're foraging that you like to pair with it you know i've seen you you do a lot with milkweed and which i have no you're gonna have to tell me about because i have no idea how yeah, milkweed word. goes wild game meat particularly like ungulate like venison moose yep. and black trumpets are absolutely black trumpets a mushroom okay i was gonna say absolutely and yeah yeah black trumpet is a mushroom uh late summer early to mid fall growing it literally looks like a little black trumpet mm-hmm. okay super easy to identify uh also kind of oddly in a weird correlation it tends to grow really well where white-tailed deer travel oh, you know, so perfect. i don't yeah it's, yeah, perfect, it's weird man. i don't know if i don't know if it's like sci- if i'm scientifically seeing this or if this is just my observation but i find them where deer are okay so like wetter um, are you like edges probably no not even like we're talking like their travel corridors like in the thick woods but there's always deer trail or sign like where i see these it's bizarre definitely okay. travel corridor not like on the edges not a, not in like deep bedding areas like oak forests, just like travel corridor stuff. But it's kind of cool. It's cool because it tastes so good with uh, venison. It's kind of always cool to like tie those two things yeah, together. Yeah, really cool. Hold on. I got, now you got me intrigued on these black trumpets. Yeah. Are they yeah. growing on any kind of particular deadfall or are they on yeah, the ground? Yeah, Jared's big into the show. No, they are, yeah, they are, they're going to be on the ground proper. They like oaks. They'll run in like drainages a lot. You'll find a lot of them in a deep drainage pretty moist so if you get a lot of rain they'll be there i think what goes on is they like somewhat open ground so where there's like an active game trail and you get that like where the undergrowth hasn't grown they'll pop up super easy to identify which is of course always nice mm-hmm. there's basically nothing else in say, are north any, america any other false no, identifiers nothing no. there isn't like the false morels or anything like that no they just they're just kind of are what they are okay very dark brown to black almost kind of midnight blue trumpet hollow in the center black trumpets they're super good not a really like earthy flavor mm-hmm. kind of salty almost but yeah they're really good that sounds so awesome. i like to pair those we we de- we will gather them and dehydrate them and then mix them with salt so we'll have like black trumpet salt and then you know instead of using like sea salt Ooh. or whatever on a piece of deer you just use that you just spiked james's interest well we were having this discussion like dude you use so much salt we do like, use a lot of salt. I'm like, we just went to McDonald's. You guys just ate a burger. That's like <laughs> yeah, you just, yeah, you a ate cup as and a half salt. of salt. Yeah, exactly. You had one meal at McDonald's. You probably eat as much salt as I ate a year That's what I'm in saying. that one meal. Yeah. Uh, like last time, I was like 15 years ago, I went to McDonald's last. I enjoy the, the styles of salt. The, the, yeah, the, the different the assorted flavors. salts you have. Yeah. Yep. Smoked salt, man. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like applewood smoked salt, super good. Yeah. So we will de- I'll dehydrate the black trumpets, grind them, and then mix them with salt. It's super good. And it's nice because you get that kind of like summery flavor in the middle, like January. You know what I mean? Yep. Um, so we'll do that, that with those. 
Yep, a little bit of that dirt flavor when there's nothing but four feet of snow outside. Yeah. So that's super good. The other thing I really love to do, and it's just kind of, it's extremely good tasting, plus the kind of ironic factor is I love to make eight, uh, acorn flour and then bread squirrel in acorn flour. Hey, that's I was going to ask like you about thing. that. Yeah. was on my list of things to ask, acorn flour. Yeah, acorn Tell flour. Tell me about that. Uh, acorn flour is extremely good, but it is an intensive process. Okay. Very, it's so good. But you do have to gather all the acorns, and as I'm everyone knows, white. acorns. Are... We do red oak up here. You got red. Oh, you do even the tannin. The yeah, but I mean, any the tannins are the acid. It's not too acidic. Yeah, you have to. Well, you have to get rid of that. That's the that's oh. the processing part of it. Yeah, any type of acorn, whether it be black, red, or white, whatever, works. But you have to actually you have to get rid of the tannins. So we'll you collect them and you let them air dry. Like we have like a closed drying rack that we'll put like hotel pans full of acorns on yep we'll leave them like that for like two months give or take oh two, really three for months. a while so this is a big this is a process it's a big no it's a big process yeah so we do that and then you crack them obviously we have this little it's called a drosselmile nutcracker which is like an extremely fancy nutcracker crack them get the meat out then we take the meat and I'll beat it in the literal same bag that I beat the chaga with, with the same mallet that I beat the chaga with, into smaller pieces, put it into a cotton bag and water. Yep. This is how you get rid of the tannins. Okay. So we'll put it in water, and it leaches out all of the tannic stuff. Also creates this, like, kind of, I don't know, it's this weird film sort of starchy thing, yeah, which you can then dehydrate it. and use. Yeah, yeah. So you get rid of that. You change the water once a day for I it's like two weeks, basically, till the water is clear. Yep, yep. So, then it's, you so put them it's, in just, it's just drawing it out at that yeah, point. Yeah, 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 mm -hmm. exactly. It's tannins are water-soluble, so it draws all the tannins out. Then you dehydrate that and grind it. I have this fancy grain mill grinder that I use to grind, and you grind it into a flour. Okay. So, it, yeah, it's super labor-intensive, but obviously, I mean, you know, especially in this part of the of United States, like oaks are everywhere. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right. I was gonna I say my woods. In my yard I've, right now. I've been waiting because I, I I haven't done it because I really want to try it. But I always thought I have these red oaks. Like I'm full of red oaks. I thought I don't mm. know if that's gonna be quite as good as a white oak. No, right. that's that's all I've ever used really is the red oaks. Mm. When we were in Maryland, the first year we tried it, we used white oaks, and it actually ended up going rancid and was pretty bad. So the the red oaks, I find are actually much better interesting we where we just were there's actually we just posted a picture of it we found i mean the floor was like blanketed covered yeah literally yeah well that's the other kind of like serendipitous sort of weird thing about acorns is the way that they or when they choose to produce fruit and the kind of connectivity that you get because even where you guys are versus where i am versus yeah. in maryland like for whatever reason, last year, nobody produced acorns. You know what yep, I mean? Yep, exactly. So, yep. yeah, you have that, like, thing where all of a sudden, somehow these millions of trees just don't produce a fruit for the year. You know, and that it's, it's like this bizarre predator-prey thing that happens because all of a sudden the squirrel population has plummeted this year. There's no squirrels, like, because last year there was no fruit for the squirrels to eat. So this year, however, then the the oaks have produced massive amounts like a massive mass again so it's like interesting to watch that ebb and flow it kind of connects you to the woods a little bit because you get to see i don't know how that ebb and flow plays out yep. the predator prey like the pendulum that swings yep every year like yep. last yeah 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 last year there was tons of squirrels and tons of this tons of that this year there's none but there's 
uh, I can speak to where I'm at. There's an incredible amount of predators this year, but next year there's going to be a ton of prey and less predators. Like it's it's bizarre and it's interesting to watch how the acorn or the oak. Yeah, my squirrel kind of population has been down. My uh, by this time last year, I had like I had quite a few squirrels in the. Oh my elk, god! By this freezer. dude, by this time last year, I was probably a hundred squirrels deep. Yeah. Oh wow. You know, at whatever our limit is, five a day hunting almost for squirrels i hunted for squirrels more than i hunted for deer last year because it was just like so much it was just like i i went into the woods with either a bow in the 22 or a 308 in the 22 like anytime i went into the woods so justin was... you could pick off a squirrel if you had to yeah yeah exactly i'm a food hunter i'm not really about i'm not a trophy hunter i, I don't really focus on one thing i focus on what i can eat yeah so if even if I'm in a tree stand with a bow and if all of a sudden there's a ton of squirrels in front of me and the deer aren't moving, I'm, I'm going to shoot the squirrel, you know? How do you feel about uh, possum? Don't think I'd eat a possum. I saw one Maybe the other day and it went, when I was in the deer stand, I, I don't know why. It was just yeah. racing around. It was like I've never seen a possum like really sprint and it was just sprinting circles in the woods. And I thought, would I eat? I don't think I'd eat him. I, that's, I think that's where I draw my line. Is it if because he's ugly line. looking? Like if he was a real. No, I actually, I find them, I find them very cute. Thank you. You do. Yeah. I find them cute. I find them endearing. No, I think it's, it's just the diet, I guess. Just the carrying and the trash and that kind of thing. Yeah. But on the same token, like I've eaten raccoon and raccoon isn't bad, but they kind of eat the same thing. I don't think I could eat a raccoon. Raken. I couldn't eat a raken. I could, I think I could eat a coyote before I would eat. A raking, and I have never yeah. eaten a coyote before. Raking, yeah. <laughs> I yeah, I am. I have an intention of this winter, if for no other purpose than the experience. I have an intention of killing and eating a coyote. Okay. We have, like I said, we have our little like homestead property here, and they are somewhat abundant in the area we're in. They're kind of. I mean, I hear them every night. That yeah. We have animals here. We have chickens and whatnot. So it's kind of. I think that's on the menu for this year is to eat a coyote. Well, how are you gonna cook them? Figure I'm just gonna turn it into stew. Stew meat. I'm just braise it. I feel like that's yeah, kind of that's that's the cop out way. It's the go to. You yeah. could just like I feel like you make a nice steak. You got to do something where you really like mm -hmm. just take it. Uh, so yeah, 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 yeah. So for me personally, so let's let's go with this way. My wife is a little bit more sensitive. Yeah, sure. She's <laughs> she's gonna be more concerned. She grew up with dogs. She's doesn't uh, like the idea of killing a dog so for her she's probably gonna eat stew for me i'm probably gonna rip a back strap off and grill it and <laughs> just to see you know do experience it Salt, i really pepper, am excited to see it. that yeah yeah I've, yeah I've seen a couple people eat them and like i feel like if you could detach the fact that it came away from a dog and just could just eat the meat for the only the meat flavor it'd be a very different thing yeah exactly that disconnect i want to build that disconnect for myself and yeah. see what the experience truly is yeah it's on the landscape it's in my environment they're they're on my land so to experience eating them i feel like is a necessity yeah yeah but yeah to get that disconnect to being like i'm eating a dog you know what i mean yeah. but on the same token like as i grew up with cats and i will happily eat a bobcat or i'll happily eat a have you a ever eaten a bobcat i've not eaten bobcat no but again like i if i, think I would yeah, if I was in a circumstance where one just happened to be in front of me when I had a weapon that would kill it, yeah, I'd eat it. Yeah, that'd be because mm -hmm. I yeah. hear I hear mountain lion is like fantastic. Yeah, so I, hear, I imagine yeah, yeah, yeah. bobcat is just like a a small mountain yeah. lion. You know, which is weird. It brings us back to the other point. Like I would eat all of those things, but I'm not gonna eat a possum. 
Yeah. You it's know, weird the lines you draw. I'm like, you wouldn't eat a rat, yeah. but you'd eat a squirrel, which is basically just a, a fluffy tail. Basically, tree yeah, rat. it's a fluffy, yeah, exactly. It's a fluffy tailed <laughs> rat that eats more acorns. Yeah, why the hell not? But yeah, exactly. I'd eat a horse too, by the way, Jared. I'd eat a oh, horse. Oh, God, are you kidding me? Yeah, no, I think it's so stupid that we can't eat horses in this country. I've had raw horse. Are, are you raw? kidding me? Raw horse. Yeah. Why would you eat a okay, Dude, it was raw an, horse? It was an raw or cooked. Yeah. Raw. What did it taste like? I mean, just it wasn't bad. Why is it illegal? Dunked it a little. Why can't you eat, uh, why can't you eat a horse here? Because you can eat it in like pretty much every other country, and like it's I, not I even believe. A big deal. Don't quote me on it, but I believe it's still legal in Canada. I have I've I've worked with guys who've gone to Canada and have eaten horse. I think it's it's the stigma thing, man. Just Horses are like America. Majestic creatures. Yeah, cowboys running across the West. We've been kind of tainted, and rich people in the East with horses, like it's just tainted. You know, I've never can't eat a, a domestic dog. I've ridden one once. Ridden one once. Have you, Jerry? I don't like him. A horse? Yeah. Oh, heck yeah. Dude, you want to take me horseback yeah. riding sometime? No. Broke back? <laughs> yeah, I'm I, like, I don't know. I'm kind of, you know what? And I think because I've never ridden a horse, I'm a little scared of them. They kind of creep me out a little. Like, they freak me out. Like, they're going to, they could bite me and hurt me, kick me, just throw me around. Then I go They're going to know yeah. that, though. They know that? Mm-hmm. Like, a yeah. dog knows fear? A horse knows fear? I pictured them as elk that i can't shoot and eat, well, yeah, so, what if you i know, put whatever. a brave face on it even though i'm <laughs> yeah. scared inside they you know it you're still scared It'll of work. dan's dog yo i Lane, i'm not Lane scared of his dog i just when i walk up he she freaks out so i'm always put my arm up like like you're, you're scared and she will tear you up just saying a horse will do that it senses fear yeah but what if i put a brave <laughs> face on i think that i'll be like can it sense it or just see it in your face it smells it it smells it the fear yeah it smells it they're like they're on they have the nose they'll smell it milkweed yeah, I was going to say. So, milkweed, arguably my favorite green, wild green. Wow. Because of its versatility. Yeah, I think I would, I mean, yeah, if you like, if you put like corn or like broccoli in front of me and milkweed, I'm going to eat the milkweed every single time. That's a bold statement. Tell, well, yeah, how no, do you, how for do you real. know when to pick it? How do you know? How do you prepare it? What does it taste like? Yeah, milkweed, the thing that I like the most about milkweed is. It is essentially three vegetables in one, right? In the springtime, up here, it's June, early June, late May, early June, depending on the year. You pick the the shoot, so the early flowering plant, mm-hmm. yep. which is when it's yeah, a little bit a little bit thicker than a, a pencil before the leaves have started to expand out. They'll be there, but they're yeah, yeah. tight to the body. You pick that and you cook it like you would like asparagus, and it's reminiscent of asparagus, if not a little bit earthier. I'm not really sure how to explain it. Seems like it'd be earthier. Mm-hmm. Yeah, now, it's is a there a time earthier, where you could pick it and it would like make you sick? Any time that you pick milkweed, you have to cook it. Number one, so don't eat it raw. Has to be cooked. It will make you sick in any of its stages. And then when the pods, so the you know, the seed pods, the mm-hmm. big green things, when they actually get to the point where the the insides of that have started to become like cotton-esque when the yep. seeds start to develop. I'm starting to pull yeah. my wind checker out of there. Okay. Exactly. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. So before it splits and before it dries and it's brown and splits, but when it's like in that in-between stage, basically when the pods get bigger than like a ping pong ball, yep. those two periods or that period will that yeah that that has made me sick before i've had issues with that last year i had issues like with that. what what kind of sick we like puke or just oh, kinda... i puked oh yeah straight up puked uh, i was working and 
probably shouldn't have left work as early as I did. And it was like, guys, I've just got to go ran out, ran out of work, ran across the parking lot, got to my car and vomited all over the place. Cause I'd been like holding it in for a few hours. <laughs> and was like, I'm not going to puke. I'm not going to puke. And then it was, the puke back Whoa, I'm going to puke. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you got to work. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Um, you, so got, those, you got stuff to cut up. Yeah. I got stuff to do, man. Come on. I got animals to cut up money to make, but that's right. yeah. So that th- at that period, that's the only time I've ever had issues with it was when the pods have started to seed out. Other than that, as long as you cook it and the co- it does have to be cooked for a while, even these shoots in the spring. Okay. Got I generally boil the sh- I'll boil the shoots in the spring and then saute them with garlic and butter. Same kind of application that you would yep. for asparagus. Sure. It's basically wild asparagus. Super good, tender. Does not have any kind of all flavor. Then once those the leaves release out and they're laying kind of horizontal to earth, done for a little while. But then three, four weeks later, when the flowers start to come out, yep. eat the green flowers or the flower, or the opened shoots of the flowers, same deal. A boil, I like to boil them, like parboil them for like 10 minutes. Then I'll flour them and then fry them as if they were like a fritter. Yeah, super good. Super, super good. That's my favorite part, the flour. Do you flour them with acorn flour? We have not, but mostly just because we've, generally eating all of our acorn flour by july so just right. don't have any left i like it with just white flour or cornmeal yep okay yeah pretty simple i mean literally you treat it like a fritter or something like that yeah that sounds real good we're gonna need some recipes from you man yeah yeah, yeah. they're definitely they're not complicated yeah just keep it simple yep yeah just gotta figure them out yeah and then once the flowers pot out when the pods are not as big as they've become cotton-esque in the inside. Those, I, I tend to boil the pods a little bit longer. They're like a 20-minute boil. Uh, kind of fun thing to do with them, if not labor-intensive, is to parboil them for 20 minutes, then cut them in half, pull the insides out, and then fill the insides with goat cheese oh, and yeah. treat them like a little, yeah, like a little, like, I don't know, like an appetizer kind of thing uh, with a little bit of honey drizzle on top. Super good. Yeah, that's real cool. After that, it's kind of over, but it's nice because you basically get like an early spring green, a little mix an early summer green. Yeah, yeah, an early summer green, an early fall green, kind of all out of one spot. So and they're everywhere. Super too, cool. So easy to find. Oh god, them. they're everywhere. Yeah, they're absolutely everywhere. Yeah. Super kind of easy to identify. Pretty. I mean, it's pretty easy to know what they are, but there's so yeah, many you have to take lines. your time. Because dog bane, especially in the early spring, the shoots of a dog bane and the shoots of a milkweed are really similar. And dog bane will kill you. Don't um, want to get killed by this. Yeah, don't want to eat the dog bane. So the difference is there are some stark differences. Coloration, size. That's kind of how I tell the difference. But for the love of God, before you go out trying to find milkweed, like just do a little research. Yeah. Right. Read a little bit of Sam Sayers' work. He's out of Wisconsin. He does a really good job of explaining the difference between the two. But yeah, do a little work there. Okay. Then once they've become established plants, like once the flowers and the buds or the uh, pods are about, then yeah, you're you're good to go. Super easy. Most people know what milkweed is. Yeah, yeah look it up. But yeah, like anything with yeah, like anything with wild foods, like just be freaking careful. Yeah, look you it up. And if you got a yourself. question, you know, shoot Justin uh, a little yeah, shoot uh, Instagram. Me, yeah, shoot me a message. Send me a picture. I will absolutely help you out. Well, Justin, we're coming up on time here. But, but before I let you go, I want to make sure everybody knows how to, they can find you. Do you want to let everybody know where they can send all these 
questions too once they find weird stuff in the woods because i got some mushrooms i'm gonna probably send your way pretty soon i've been trying yeah. to figure out yeah, yeah yeah we didn't even get to get into mushrooms man so that, i think we, we didn't get, get we into mushrooms or ice fishing come on brook trout and we're, landlocked salmon under the ice we sounds were like we need a part two i think we're gonna need a part two because yeah, there's there a go. lot on my mind about mushrooms mm-hmm. that i'm gonna need help with so. yeah, yeah 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 for sure Cool. Well, yeah, where can people find you? Best way is going to be Justin underscore Hunt Gather on Instagram. That's my preferred social media platform. I have a Facebook, but I don't really check it ever. So, yeah, definitely just it's Justin underscore Hunt Gather on Instagram. That is going to be the best way to get a hold of me. I'm on there pretty much daily. Wonderful. Got all kinds of content on there, all kinds of little mini blog posts and whatnot. So that would be the way to get in touch with me. Perfect. Well, Justin, thanks again. We'll uh, we'll talk soon. Yeah, for sure. uh, Get a uh, schedule another episode here with you. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, yeah. Anytime you guys want it. It's winter up here, so deer season's open right now, but at the end of November, I'm not really doing a whole bunch, but sitting on frozen lakes. So get me up. I was looking for Chaga. Although I don't have to look for Chaga this year. I can see him from my back door. Oh, boy. (laughs) Hell yeah. All right, man. Well, we'll talk to you soon. (laughs) Yeah, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Everybody, thanks again for listening to this episode. Uh, If you want to go over and hit subscribe to wherever you're listening to this podcast, that'd be great. It'd really help us out. And if you want to follow us along more, check out our Instagram page at Boga Hunting. Thanks.